You are listening to a Sunday morning message from River Corner Church. River Corner Church is a growing church community of everyday people who gather to worship God, follow Jesus, and journey through life together. You are invited to gather with us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you have any questions about something you heard in this message, or if you want to learn more about our growing church community, visit us online at rivercornerchurch.com. Now this week, in light of what we're talking about this week, God's provision, I was trying to think of what God's provision has looked like in my life. And there are some times where it looks completely ordinary. And there are moments in which it is otherworldly. Though I think those ordinary moments are much more common than the otherworldly moments. But in the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that we've been looking at for the past few weeks, I think we're reminded that otherworldly should be expected more. The Lord's Prayer leads us into a way of praying for the Spirit-filled believer. Early on in my journey, there was a point where when I was hitchhiking and traveling with bands all over the country, that I was in upstate New York. I had just come home from New Hampshire I thought that Buffalo would be a nice area to sit in and live for a while. I would just kind of do this. I would travel nomadically and then pick somewhere to live. By the way, let me just share. I lasted about a half a winter of Buffalo until I realized it's not a nice place to to call home. Uh, But while I was in Buffalo and I was looking to open up this restaurant and business, I had received a phone call that my father, who I had not spoken to quite regularly for a few years, had a heart attack and was in pretty severe condition. And so I had looked at what I had in my pocket and where I was at after traveling across the world. I think it was about 11 months that year I was away from home. And so I had just enough money to get on a train and head back to Lancaster. I got on in Buffalo in the middle of a snowstorm, came down here, uh, went and visited my father. And during that time, as I was also in my spiritual sojourn, I was attending Langster Vineyard at the time, as Vineyard Church. And I had walked in that morning, kind of uh, surprised everyone because they hadn't seen me in 11 months. And uh, I was sitting there in worship, and I remember just pouring myself out in worship, saying, Lord, I feel like where you want me right now is back up there. But I've come down here. And I looked at my pocket, and I had something like $5.28 in my, in my hand. And I realized I needed, I think it was like $107.36 to get back up. It was some number like that. It was this number that I was just shy of like $102 in amount of cents. And I was in worship, and I kind of just lost myself in the moment, praying in my head to God, God, if this is of you, and if this is where I'm supposed to be, right, then I'm totally dependent on you to get there, because there's no way that I'm going to get there. I knew I couldn't even hitchhike this time of the year well up there. And in the middle of the worship, there was this lady in our church that was a prayer warrior. She sadly died a few years after this story, otherwise I would love to bring her in and have uh, her here with us, but... Uh, She came up, and as my hands were in worship, she just grabbed my hand like this from behind me 
And I could feel that there was something in my hand that she had placed there, that she wasn't just embracing me in worship. And because I figured, man, she's looking at this guy that's been on the road for 11 months and he hasn't showered. He, uh, his beard is a little out of control. Uh, he probably looks pretty bad. I thought she was probably giving me a pity offering. You know, she, she probably thought I was panhandling in worship. And so uh, I quickly just tried to push it back to her and say, oh, you know, uh, no thanks. I, I don't need it. And she became indignant and just put her hands on her shoulder. And she said, didn't you just tell God in worship that you needed that? And so I opened my hand and it was the exact amount of money, change and dollars that I needed to get back to Buffalo, New York. These things are rare, but they remind us of our dependence on God. And I think in seasons that are dry, we hold on to these stories because they remind us of how God cares for us. There are some people in our lives, and I can tell you many of mine, that act like such circumstances happen nonstop to them. I find that hard to believe. There's one I heard that said, oh, the minute, you know, I had, my car had been broken down for a while, and, and this individual told me, you just got to pray about it. God gives me a car every time I need one. And I was like, I don't think that's how it works. When we talk about what it means to trust our provision to God this morning, I don't want us to view it as this otherworldly Santa Claus that just blesses us any time that we need. Because there's actually learning in the need. I realized that in that moment that I was in, I was so desperate, had nowhere else to be, nowhere else to live, that I was totally dependent on God. And I think it was that part that unlocked something in the spiritual realm in that moment. As I said over the last few weeks as we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, while most of us uh, maintain some sort of discipline and practice of prayer, as we integrate prayer into our daily lives, Uh, Our practice of prayer certainly leads to moments of peace. But I think Jesus gives us a rhythm of a prayer that brings about more than just peace. The Lord's Prayer summarizes all of Jesus' teachings, and and it invites God to be part of our lives and our world in some powerful and revolutionary ways. Too often, our approach to Prayer is marked with this duty-bound sense of obligation and fluctuating consistency. And though I don't think that every prayer, as I said, will always be otherworldly, I do think our our prayer practice should be expectant. There should be more experiences in it. And I think that's the point of the Lord's Prayer. This morning we continue our series, The Rhythm of Prayer, our series that has been exploring what it means to develop a more effective discipline of prayer. And we've been focusing specifically on the prayer that Jesus gave us, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus has gifted us with this practice of prayer that is essential and important to our spiritual formation. In this prayer, Jesus teaches us that the secret of his relationship with the Father, with God the Father, is this one of intimacy. And through the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how to have that same intentional and intimate relationship with God the Father. So throughout the the series, we've been looking at this uh, prayer to be renewed and reminded at the way that God's character, His kingdom, His forgiveness, His guidance, and His protection show up in it. 
And throughout the series, we've been taking the Lord's Prayer line by line and focusing on each one of these traits and what it means to live a Spirit-filled life or have a Spirit-filled prayer life in light of that. The hope is that we will foster or cultivate some new insights that will bring about a greater sense of intentionality, intimacy, and illumination in our prayer experience. The Lord's Prayer is meant to be a relational encounter with a living and good God that encourages us and reprioritizes and reshapes our outlook, our choices, our actions, and our faith. Throughout this series, I hope that we find a rejuvenated prayer discipline that sustains us and holds us even in the moments where it feels like God isn't close, that it brings about greater intentionality. This morning, we are going to look at God's provision. Past provision, present vision, future provision, and how it's an important aspect of the Lord's Prayer. So this morning we're going to pick up again in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. I invite you to follow along. And even though we looked at this passage last week, and we actually looked at the the verses before it and focused on what Jesus was saying about prayer there, I want you to try your best to look at this passage that's very familiar to you and allow it to captivate you in new ways. Matthew 6, 9 through 13 in the New International Version reads like this. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, our, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, last week and the week before, we've looked at this story of Jesus teaching on the Lord's Prayer. We've looked at it in Luke's account and Matthew's account. We compared them. We've looked at the verses before these passages. And we've explored even some what the early church taught on prayer. Additionally, we've looked at how Jesus wasn't necessarily introducing something new. Some of it is. But he was also borrowing from some of the best prayers in, their t- in the Jewish culture of their day. And he's teaching them in this kind of all-star prayer, uh, teaching his disciples to pray more effectively. In exploring the Lord's Prayer, it becomes evident from the start that Jesus' teaching on prayer emphasized the sense of authenticity and intimacy with God. Not religious duty, not obligation. It's something we do because we want to. And through examining both Luke and Matthew's accounts, it's clear that Jesus sought to redefine prayer as this intimate and sincere connection with God, both for individuals, but also together in community. Moreover, Jesus introduces a revolutionary concept in prayer. He invites believers first to reflect on God's character. Holy is your name. Our Father, this sense of reverent worship. And secondly, he invites us into focusing on God's kingdom, as we saw last week. In prayer, we're realigning ourselves with God's will. And we actively are looking to participate in the establishment of God's kingdom, his rule and his reign, here on earth. And by praying for the kingdom to come and God's will be done, we're reminded, we're reoriented to the fact that we're co-collaborators in bringing about God's justice and his love and his redemption in the world. This morning, we're going to be focusing on Matthew 6, 11 that reads, give us today our daily bread. 
It's this line about God's provision that appears after Jesus teaches on God's character and God's kingdom. And in this line about the provision of daily bread, Jesus teaches us that prayer is asking and depending on God for our provision alone. In this line, we're reminded of how limited we are, how little we can do on our own, that we can't do things on our own might and our own power, but he has everything we need in this life. The very necessities, bread, are supplied by God the Father. The word forgive, by the way, in the Lord's Prayer, is chosen, I believe, with great intentionality. Now, when we hear the word give, I think of my kids as they ask for a snack right before bed, right? Give me a snack, or I really want a snack. It's a sense of uh, begging. But this word give captures so much more than that. The word didomi implies having somebody that has means reach out to you from their place of power and grant you through their power an advantage in life. Now, I opened up with a story in where somebody reached out to me that had a resource that I did not have and was able to provide for me. To me, that is an example of didomi. It is the example of give, that you're realizing that you cannot do anything on your own and you need someone greater and bigger than you to resource you, to help you, and give you an advantage in life. Jesus intentionally uses this word. God, who sits in heaven, whose character is holy, whose rule and reign is breaking in here and now in this life. He's breaking in not only with these supernatural healings and things, but also with the necessities and the resources we need to sustain ourselves. Now, I think it's easy for us to look at this line in the Lord's Prayer and say, this is the give me, give me part. This is where I get to say, all right, this is where I put all of my uh, kind of requests before the Lord. And I don't want us to make that assumption. The Lord's Prayer is not a prayer that starts with this worshipful sense of God's character and then a realization of God's mission in the world, only for you to use that as a formula to say, and now, Lord, what I really need is this, right? It's not Valentine's Day where you give your girlfriend a Valentine's Day hoping that it makes everything all lovey and dovey, right? This prayer is not meant to manipulate God. This line is about dependence on God and seeing God as a source. It is a petition. Now, without a doubt, this line reminds us simply, God the Father cares deeply for us. He does. He's a good Father. He loves us. And he longs for us to experience his goodness and his good news, his his love in abundant ways. Jesus says this all the time, that you may have life and may have it abundantly. But effective prayers aren't necessarily prayers that bring about physical gifts, favors, or blessings from God. Jesus is using some colorful imagery in this line in at least three ways, I would say, when he teaches them to pray about our daily bread. First, in this prayer, in this first century Jewish world, they would have quickly thought back to the story of Moses. And Moses, as he's leading God's people through the wilderness, uh, it was in the wilderness that God promised that he would sustain them. In Exodus 16.4, God promises that he will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
They're told to go out of their tents, get what they need for the day, only to get what they need for the day, not store anything. They're to fully depend every morning on God for their sustenance. It's this beautiful imagery of how we're supposed to rise every day and look to God for our needs and for our sustenance that day. The only day in which they were to gather more than their day's worth was on the sixth day, so that they could have their needs met even for the Sabbath. So on the seventh day, the time that God was resting or God felt quiet, they still had God's abundance around them to remind them of what he was and who he was and the promises of God and the abundant places he supplied for them in the past. So in this first imagery, we're reminded that God cares about our needs. Abundantly, even more, he supplies us in ways that will prepare us for the hard and dry seasons. Even in heaven, God knows our needs and he cares about them. He longs to see us abundantly resourced and sustained. And so God brings the resources and the blessings of heaven to make, our different, to make differences in our lives in the here and now. Now, the second imagery that I think Jesus is playing on in the Lord's Prayer was common to them. It was very common in their prayers, in their formula prayers, to not only pray to God in a reverent and worshipful ways, but to pray for him from this sense of great place of lament and need and desperations. They were a people in captivity. They had everything taken from them. Prayer was a place to pour their hearts out. Many of the prayers of this day, and we don't have time to look at them, but they incorporated this, this call to supply for one's basic needs. Bread and water were often examples. Like in the first example we looked at, uh, Jesus reminds us that God's caring for our needs, but they knew that. They knew that for centuries. In this section, though, I think Jesus is also saying that it is enough and that there's contentment found. I think some of Jesus' disciples and Matthew's earliest readers would have been reminded of Proverbs 38, which says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only give me my daily bread. That, by the way, is the fruit of an effective prayer. Don't give me what I want. Don't give me what I don't want either. Right? Don't break me. Don't, don't elevate me. Just give me you. That's enough. This proverb speaks to the sense of contentment that is found in God alone as our supplier. And I think this proverb also beautifully speaks of the way that we are to prayfully ask for our needs from God. The line that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, like with this proverb, not only reminds us that the greatest contentment we will experience in life is dependence on God, but it reminds us that we should pray about it, that God wants to be invited into those spaces in our lives. This line of the Lord's Prayer tells us that God cares about our bodies, that he longs for us to invite him into those spaces. Now, I think the third imagery that would have come to his early Listeners, was this. In a day where there was no refrigeration, nor did they have the amount of food preservations and food storage we do today, because if we face it, most of us probably actually don't need to pay for embalming when we're dead because there's so many preservatives in what we're eating right now. The job's been done for them, right? But you have to go to the market. Every day they would have to go to the market on most days to get what they needed. It was a continual act. There is this beautiful imagery here where we're reminded to keep going to God 
Elsewhere, Jesus teaches about prayer and seeking God's resourcing in this way. In Matthew, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, I'm not really good in imperatives in the Greek, but I'm told the better translation of this would be, due to the imperatives in it, that it means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's this ongoing thing, even when you don't get the answer. And I think this fits the narrative of this line into prayer. Give us our daily bread. Right? There's three meals. This Lord's Prayer was practiced three times a day. We looked at it in early church. There's these three asks to be fully dependent on God. Three times in which we practice being reminded and realigned to have God supply for our needs and to hold us. We are constantly then going to the market or to the source of the supplies, heaven, and asking for God's hand and his favor and his presence to be with us. The theologian William Barclay also points out that it's interesting, he said, that This prayer, which calls for God to supply for our daily needs, eerily echoes the Lord's practice of the the Lord's table, which we just practiced today. At the Lord's table, we're reminded that the bread was supplied was actually Jesus. And it was broken, his body was broken, so that we can follow in his footsteps. In the Lord's prayer, we remember what bread God sends us, Jesus. Bread, in this day, also carried with it great spiritual imagery for Jewish folks. In fact, early on in his ministry, Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on the word of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we remember that the ways, the words, and the works of Jesus, that bread that Jesus sent us, Jesus, are enough. Bread also carried this imagery of God's kingdom for the Jewish people. There's a story in Luke where Jesus is engaging people about the kingdom of God, and these bystanders walk up, and they randomly say, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And that's because they had this long, ongoing idea that when they had feasts, God joined them. The presence of God would join in their celebration and their feasting. And ultimately, the Lord's Prayer reminds us that through Jesus, God breaks into our world, and he sits at the table with us. And he is present with us in all things, and that's what sustains us. Think this line in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread. When we slow down and we look at it, God's sustaining and providing nature becomes evident in every area and arena of our lives. From the breath that we take, to the food that we eat, to the relationships that we cherish, Scripture abounds with reminders of God's faithfulness meeting our needs, whether they're physical or emotional, spiritual. The intricate workings of nature, the daily provision of food, the support of loving relationships all testify to God's ongoing care and provision. Even in moments of trial or uncertainty, we find solace in the knowledge that God sustains us, that he guides us through life's challenges, comforting us in times of need. And ultimately, God's provision extends beyond the material realm, and it encompasses us with the fruits of the Spirit, with peace and with joy. It's a spiritual nourishment that sustains us in our journey. We're reminded in this line of the prayer that God's prayer reminds us that Jesus is continuing with God's kingdom to break into our world, to bring about God's ways, his rule, and his reign, both ordinary and extraordinary. All we have to do is call on God and continue to ask and seek and knock. The complete Jewish Bible translation probably more accurately translates this line as this, 
Give us the food we need today. Give us the food we need today. I don't need riches. I don't need poverty. What I need is just what I will have from you today. This translation captures, I think, the imagery and the intent of Moses and the proverb that I shared. And God, just give me today what I need today to live dependently on you. That's a prayer. That's a prayer that reminds us to give uh, our days and all of our days into total dependence on God the Father. So in closing, there's five quick things I want to hit before we close. One, our prayers experience greater effectiveness when we learn to trust each day to God's provision. When each day is turned over to God to trust in God's provision. Two, we should intentionally invite God's provision into each and area of our lives. We don't just ask about our, our food, but there's other areas of our lives that we long to have God holistically heal and touch and show up in. There's no area of our life that is too big or too small. God wants to be invited into all of it. Three, the more we reflect on God's past, present, and future provision in our lives, right? the more we think about the way he's sustained us in the past, in the way that he's doing now, the way that he will in the future, the more intimately we'll begin to trust God at work in our lives in the places that feel like he's quiet in. Fourthly, we trust God's provision because it's meant to be experienced, right? God's provision, why he says, give me our daily bread, isn't just this sense of higher enlightenment. Jesus teaches us this prayer because God's provision is meant to be experienced. It's meant to be experienced in our hearts spiritually, but also in our lives as physical realities. And it's a reminder that we can't do it on our own. Lastly, the more we focus on God's provision, not our wants and our prayers, the more God's presence will renovate our hearts and our world, renovating our outlook, choices, and actions. You may say, well, how does he do that? Well, the Proverbs tell us, that he gives us the desires of our hearts. And the more that we focus on his provision, the more our desire for provision more aligns with what he desires to give us. They become less selfish. They become more disciplined. There are too many places in my life I know that I'm discontent. Too often I work creatively and harder to make things happen on my own power. Eventually, though, I reach a breaking point where I say, it's not enough. Right? No matter what I do, I'm not going to solve this problem. Author Mark Michael Breen says, as humans, we are needy beings. And I think in this prayer, we're learning to trust God with our most basic of needs. Our food, our shelter, our clothing. And we're realizing that those are things that need met daily. However, we're also needing spiritual bread because we have spiritual needs. There's a need for love for peace, for more faith, for greater purpose, for a greater trust in eternal life. And all of that gets wrapped up in our asking of God for daily bread. We are reminded to be dependent on God, the Father alone for them. In this prayer, we're reminded that God the Father has sent Jesus alone to meet our spiritual needs. And Jesus is enough. This week, I hope you'll continue practicing the Lord's Prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer. And I hope as you get to this line, give us our daily bread, that you'll begin to visualize some of the imagery that's in it, but also to focus more on how God has provided for you so that you can trust him in the future with the ways he is yet to provide for you. 
next week as we continue this series and as we find ourselves still analyzing our, our effective prayers, my hope is that we will learn more as we explore what God's forgiveness has to say about our import, as an important aspect of prayer. Right, Father, forgive those who have trespassed against me. It's an important part that we're going to look at next week that can make our prayers even more effective.